Hey, Stephen, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind today? You're going an entirely different direction than aviation, aren't you? I am, Mr. Larson. Uh, good afternoon. Hi. Um, I, I heard you yesterday refer to the fact that Oregon um, legalized hard drugs. Yep. I just wanted to take issue with that um, that notion um, because last time I checked, I mean, I'm not able to buy heroin or cocaine at any store that I'm aware of. So I just wanted, I, I guess I just curious as to what you meant by the term legalization because they did you know oregon and washington have legalized marijuana but they have not legalized hard drugs yes we have yes we have and i'll tell you uh, let me give you the factual backup for that in washington state they had a, a state law against hard drugs the washington supreme court ruled the law was unconstitutional wiped it from its books the immediate reaction of police was to say we are going to stop enforcing the law against uh, against possession of hard drugs um, so that law is gone and the legislature at this point is not breaking land speed records to put that law back into place which they could do and i think they should do in oregon what they did was they said we're going to make this a violation now, Stephen, you know what a violation is? When you get a speeding ticket, they can't send you to jail for a spe- for most speed. I mean, I guess if it's reckless driving, they could, but they cannot send you to jail for a speeding ticket. You pay a fine, and, and it's done. They, they said, we're going to make it a violation with a $100 fine, and all you have to do to get out of the $100 fine is go in and have a, a, a health assessment to decide whether you're you would make a good candidate for drug treatment. You listen to the little health lecture. Hold on. You listen to the health lecture, and you don't have to pay a dime. Now, technically, it is still a violation to be in possession of hard drugs. But from a practical matter, uh, it's a $100 fine, which you don't even have to pay. Does that not sound like de facto legalization? I understand, uh, your, I understand where you're coming from uh, with that notion. But let's look at, um, like, for example, Portugal that, that decriminalized uh, hard drugs a long time ago. All drugs, actually. And they, well, now you're arguing that legalization is a good idea. So you've dropped no, the no, argument I, that, that we didn't I'm legalize just, it. Just, I know that you like to stick to facts, so I'm just sticking with facts. They had, they had declining rates of addiction after that. So I'm just saying, like, we already have a rampant problem of, of fentanyl. You talked about that yesterday. Um, I mean, like, Which is now legal. It's not legal. It's not legal. No, no, no. It's Steve, not legal Stephen, hold like, on. Hold on. So, it, so you understand, Stephen. Can I, can I speak for one second? Well, well no. Let me, let, let me interject this. Stephen, if I said you can't go 90 miles an hour on the freeway, but if you do, a police officer may pull you over. He'll write you a $5 ticket. And if you listen to a lecture from the cop for five minutes, you don't even have to pay the ticket. It, it's still technically illegal, but as a practical yeah. matter, anybody who wants to, to go speed can speed. This is a health issue, though, uh, Mr. Larson, and, and a lot it's of it's an addiction are, issue. They're, they're going to use no matter what. So, are, are you? Don't you think, from a from like a, a compassionate standpoint, it might be a good thing that we're at least, even if it might be minimal, um, like in your regards, like even if, if we are having the mechanism available for these people to seek help, even if they don't do it, like even if they game the system, like you're saying. Don't you think it's a good thing that we're at least trying to get these people in treatment? Stephen, we're about to hit the break, but if you'll hold through the break, I will, I will persuade you that it is, it is not only not compassionate, it is aimed at keeping people addicted. Will you stick through? Sure. All right. Stephen is going to stay with me. I'm going to persuade him. This is one of the most evil things you can do. Uh, it will kill people, and I'm going to persuade him of that. Back in just a moment. It's First Amendment Friday, and you've got the Lars Larson Show.
Which is why we put naysayers first, and Stephen is kind of a naysayer. He called me and he said uh, he thought that uh, I had overstated it by saying that Oregon has legalized hard drugs in Washington to Washington through a court order, Oregon by taking it down to a violation and then saying you don't even have to pay the fine if you'll listen to a lecture. And then Stephen asked me a, a reasonable question. Isn't it compassionate not to charge people who are addicted to drugs uh, with a crime? And I no, I think it's anything but. I don't no, think it's going to... Go ahead. Sorry, not to interrupt. I, I, I said it. I, I'm asking you if it's compassionate to offer them treatment because now we are. Well, we do. We do. Go in. No, but Stephen, we do. But let me tell you, let me ask you something. First of all, you know that about 75,000 people a year overdose on heroin alone and end up dead. Now, I'll bet most addicts know they probably know people who've died on heroin. And that isn't enough to get them off drugs. Breaking the addiction is really, really hard. What do you suppose is the best way to talk people into taking the treatment and trying to get off drugs? You know, unfortunately, with that, a lot of people do have to kind of hit rock bottom. Um, and that's not everybody, but a lot of people do have to have some pretty bad experiences before they realize. Uh, well, when is, knowing, is knowing that you have a really high likelihood of dying enough of a bad experience? Most people avoid things that are likely to kill them. And, well, and the problem, so, Mr. Larson, is when you're taking drugs like that, you don't you don't think rationally. You, you don't you don't think like you and me are having a discussion. Well, actually, actually, let me give you the way that thousands of addicts in both Oregon and Washington have decided to take treatment. And I ask you whether you knew. Uh, apparently, you don't. Uh, but but let me tell you how they do it. What's hap- What has happened in the past when it was a felony crime possession was before they dropped it to misdemeanor now to violation. Uh, judges in dr- what are called drug courts would say to an addict, look, I can find, we can have a trial right now, and you're, you know, you're virtually certain to be uh, found guilty of, of a felony. And if you've already got felonies on your record, you're probably going to prison for at least a little while, um, or you can escape the felony. Uh, and how do you escape the felony? By agreeing to go into treatment for a year and stick with the treatment for a year. We'll wipe the felony off your record. What percentage of addicts do you think judges have told me take that deal? I, I don't know how many take the deal, but I would probably venture to say that it has a pretty low percentage of people who actually um, complete. And are no, that's, that's not true. That's not true at all. About Judges have told me that about 90, when confronted with the choice, because this is kind of like hitting rock bottom, you're about to right. be locked up in jail or prison. You may be there a long time. And yeah, there are drugs that find their way inside prison, but not like you'd find on the outside. So a lot of these people are looking at, I'm going to get a felony conviction. It's going to mess up my life. I'm going to be locked up for a time. I'm going to be away from drugs. It's going to be tough. 90% of the addicts who are offered that choice take the deal. And what the judges have told me, including some real hardcore judges who you know, are like hang them, hang them high judges, would say mm-hmm. they were stunned at the number of people who'd get on the program and they'd stick with it and they would get off the drugs. Now, do you know a better way? Because the treatment programs are there. I mean, uh, Narconon and and AA and all those are available, but also we spend hundreds of millions of dollars in the Northwest offering treatment to people, but you can't get people to stick with it. But unless you threaten them with jail time, which you may find uncompassionate, I figure threatening an addict with jail time that gets them off drugs or gets a certain percentage of them off drugs is saving lives. Now, I understand. do you see a different way to see that? Is it is it mean 
for a judge to say, I'd like to save your life, but I can't get you to voluntarily go to treatment. But if I threaten you with a felony conviction and 90% of you say, okay, judge, I'll go on treatment. I'll stick with it for a year. I'll report into a parole or probation officer. Uh, I'll stick with the treatment. And at the end of a year, I don't get a felony conviction. Do you know any other way to get addicts to take treatment? No, other than some sort of a monetary, uh, you know, no, I, I really don't. Want what do you think the average part. addict would do if you said, hey, we'll give you a thousand bucks? What are they going to spend it on next? I, I think you know the answer to that. I, yeah, I, it's I drugs. So, Stephen, right. when you say it's it's not compassionate, I think it's fully compassionate to say, I'd like to save your life. I mean, you may be... Uh, I know it's a little bit left field, but like, let's say I'm in Alabama right now, and I get, I get pulled over with some heroin. Do you think that there's going to be any room for compassion for how they deal I with haven't it? researched Alabama to know if they have drug courts, but, but an awful lot of states do have them, and they would rather not lock you up. They would rather you get off the drugs. And Stephen, I mean, there are a few people who've called the show who said, I finally decided I didn't want to be an addict. Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, he's a guy who was a crack addict, and he quit cold. I mean, he had to take treatment, but, but he, he what? You, you made a nasty comment about a very successful man who beat addiction, and you're talking about being compassionate, Stephen? He beat crack cocaine. I would, well, I, I would argue he's stuffing something else up his nose. And why? Why would you say, you know, if you talk about being compassionate to people on this show, and you made an appeal for compassion, and then a man who's beat addiction and has 2,500 Americans who draw a paycheck from his very successful enterprise, and all you can think of is a snarky, nasty thing, probably because you don't like Donald Trump. Am I right about all of that? That's a pretty fair assessment. I, I, I don't like them. I, I don't so like you're them. kind of a snarky, nasty person who talks about compassion. You, you know, I, yeah. I say many times that if liberals didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. Do you think that fits you? That is one of my favorite things that you say about Lars. Does it fit you? No, not at all. So you want to be compassionate to people, but when a guy actually beats addiction, builds a successful enterprise, and puts 2,500 Americans to work, all you can do is find something nasty to say about him. Stephen, great naysayer, not so much of a human being, but a great naysayer. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday on the Radio Northwest Network.